There you have it. The NBA Finals. Signed, sealed, delivered. Golden State wins it. You heard it right there. And there's nothing, I would say, either amazing or terrible like winning it in the opposing team's building. You love it if you're the team that's playing because you just get to rub it in their face in front of all their fans. But it doesn't sound great. (laughs) And it doesn't look great if you're a fan of the sport when majority of your fan base is all the way across the country celebrating, waiting for you to come home. I mean, it's always an interesting look when opposing teams win it in someone else's building, but you got to hand it to golden state. I mean, they went out and absolutely dominated in the games they had to. And I got to bring in producer Blake here and talk about the show bet we had last Friday. The show bet, uh, yeah, it didn't work out too well for you, huh? It did not work out too well. I thought, I really did. I thought we were going to have the Celtics getting one back there, but, I mean, Golden State, they put it to them. So I also, well, I, so I told you before the show, and I might as well just reiterate this. I talked about it on Mitch's show earlier. I meant to bet the Celtics last night. I thought it was going seven. I thought it was going seven from the beginning of the series. So obviously for it to go seven, I wanted, I thought the Celtics would win last night. They would have had to, right? I, the sports book I use, I pushed the wrong button and I bet the Warriors plus four. So I bet <laughs> I got a winner at halftime. I was here working the overnight and at halftime I'm watching, I looked out at my phone. I was like checking my bets and I was like, wait, I thought I bet the Celtics. <laughs> And I did. I was so happy. It was like it was like a nice little gift at around 11 p.m. It's like, wait, I'm not going to lose money. I'm going to win money. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> There's nothing like accidental bets that go right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was. It was, mean, it was. It was. It made my night. Made the night go I, by I, a little quicker. I bet it would. I bet it would. And you know, we had talked before about this. You know, the the Golden State Warriors, not the team that they used to be when it comes to the superstars, when it comes to Draymond Green, when it comes to Klay Thompson, even Curry had a rough go at some points in this series. Now he still averaged 31 points a game in the series. I mean, he was still phenomenal, but you know, it was really more so this 43 point game four that he had, that was what catapulted him, you know, into those, into those rankings and into that level of statistics. But what really made this series happen for them was definitely some of the guys off the bench. Do you think the Celtics looked tired though last night? They, they did. And they looked, they looked run down. They looked, they looked honestly, and I didn't think it was going to happen. They looked tired in game four. They, Mm -hmm. they, they they looked like it was over then. I mean, and it, it was, you know, I don't know. It was just a tough scene to see because it was surprising how how much Golden State was able to pull away with it. You want to join the conversation? 800-859-0957. And this is the phone number. Let's go to Greg and Shelby. Greg, how's it going? Good evening, Matt and Blake, Mr. Positive. Hey, got to ask you, you're right. Um but the question that's being thrown around, because of what happened, where do we put 
Steph Curry as one of the all-time greats in NBA history. Is he top ten, Matthew? Yes. Um, okay, and what makes him? I mean, I think, he's, he, he's, I think you could say the same thing because I think he's multidimensional, the greatest uh, or multifactorial, multifaceted, and he's the greatest three-point shooter arguably of all time. But uh, where do you rank him, my friend? Where do you rank him? Yeah. I mean, thanks for calling in, Greg. And I would agree. I think he definitely is in that top 10 air. I mean, he cemented himself in a way that he didn't even really have to do. I mean, let's just go down some of the achievements that he has, right? Okay, he he's now the finals MVP. All right, he's got three rings, two league MVPs, two scoring titles, eight all-star appearances, eight NBA eight all NBA selections. I mean, we talked about it. The maybe the greatest shooter of all time. I mean, I don't know where else. I mean, you could even say maybe top five. I mean, is he the best shutdown defender? Probably not. Is he just an offensive weapon every time he's on the floor? Yes. And his ability to be that offensive weapon is what opens up the game for so many other people. A name like Jordan Poole, people in this state will remember that name, former Michigan player now. He, on the Golden State Warriors, was able to shine because he was the third, they called, they they started calling him the third Splash Brother, right? I mean, you've got him out there knocking down shots. You've got him hitting, you know, buzzer beaters at the end of quarters that essentially were, I mean, just catapulting this team at a moment when they needed it. It doesn't sound like it's that big of a deal, but his three-pointer at the end of the third quarter of game five may have been the lightning rod that Golden State needed to go on to. Yeah, it, it absolutely changed it. I mean, they they dominated the fourth quarter after that three. And so, I mean, yeah, is Steph Curry, you know, going to go out there and do it all by himself? Some games but he's also going to be enough of a threat. And I think this is where we have to talk about greatest players around. I mean, he's great because he's making other people around him. Great. I mean, Jordan Poole still had 15 points in game six. That's three times as many as Boston's entire bench scored combined. Jordan Poole is just an absolute threat and it's awesome to see him thriving. But I think that's where, you know, we talked about it before we had Greg on the phone, but, you know, a player like Andrew Wiggins. I mean, Blake, Andrew Wiggins was basically left for dead in Minnesota, right? When did he learn how to rebound? Right? That was the, like, he had like double digit rebounds the last, I think, three games. I don't know if he did last night, but I know the two before. Like, when did he become this magnificent rebounder? Like, where did that yeah. come from? I, I don't know. I mean, 29 boards combined in games four and five. I mean, and like you said, one of the worst rebounders potentially ever. He led the finals in rebounds. Makes no sense. And it the makes, Celtics are a great no rebounding sense. team. Yeah. Like. It's, it's, you're right. It's absolutely astonishing what happened, what actually happened and what on paper should have happened. On paper, what should have happened, I think like you, like we were saying before, on paper, this series should have gone seven. It should not have looked 
as much of a runaway train at the end like it did. But it absolutely was out of control and all in Golden State's favor. I mean, there was nothing Boston could do. They had no answers. None. And like I said early, when right when we kicked off the show, I kind of hate when other teams, you know, don't win it at their home arena. But hey, you're gonna take that win, you're gonna enjoy it, you're gonna go back home, you're gonna go ahead and party with all the fans back in California when you get there. Draymond enjoyed so, himself. <laughs> what's that? Draymond enjoyed himself. Oh my god, did he ever? <laughs> <laughs> did he ever? He was on fire. <laughs> and that's the thing too. That's, I mean, that's part of the love of what this, what any sport is, regardless, you know, the fact that the athletes take a whole bunch of smack talk from the fans and then they throw it right back. I love it. But he was, I mean, he was self-aware about it. Like so self-aware his post-game comments. He was like, thank you to the fans. Like you guys fed me energy. Like I understand why you hate me. Oh yeah. Like, and I respect that. Like, I do too. Because there's a lot of athletes like Clay Thompson on his team that were not cool with it, all of it. He was. Right. He was. And that's where you have to be. Again, you have to be in that mindset. And Steph Curry was in that mindset too, wearing the Aisha can't cook shirts. I mean, it's, it's awesome when athletes embrace the hatred of the fans and use it to their advantage. And Golden State did that. Now, another team that should start to embrace some hatred from the fan base, your Detroit Tigers. They are in a tailspin. And we are going to cover all that next. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. It's Sports Wrap on WJR. Oh, Alavila. That was Alavila back in March talking about the outlook of the season what this year was supposed to be, what this year was going to be, what we had to look forward to, the excitement that was going to be surrounding this Tigers baseball team. And now, now we are experiencing probably one of the worst spins I've seen a team take in a long time. I mean, it was really not long ago that we were talking about thinking that they were maybe sort of on the right path, that they were potentially turning some things around. That did not happen at all. I mean, and this last week has been cataclysmically terrible if you are a Detroit Tigers fan. I mean, they could not be doing and having more things go wrong than are going wrong right now. There really isn't a single thing that's going right. And I mean, AJ Hinch, here he is talking about just how their execution isn't going the way he would like. I mean, you guys don't see it because you're not in the trenches with us, but um, we're not doing the same thing, albeit out on the field. The messaging, the meetings, the conversations, the approach, like everything that we're trying to do, we're not executing. Um, so obviously that, that's where the demand for something different to, to, that comes up. And I understand the fan frustration. Well, if you're not executing, then who, who do we blame right now? Is this Alavila? We got Do we ask for his head on a stick or do we need 
AJ Hinch's head on a stick. Who is it that we hold at fault here? Because I don't know how much worse it can get. You get a situation where the Tigers lose 13 to nothing to the White Sox. Three positional players had to come in and pitch because AJ Hinch had to plan on how to preserve the bullpen and his pitching staff because they have a long string of games. And sure, you could have brought in a bunch of other pitchers, but then you would have been too thin heading into other games. So he talked about having to come in, and he told Cody Clemens, Roger Clemens' son, who unfortunately does not have the same arm as dad, but Cody Clemens comes in, and he says, Cody, just throw it 40, 50 miles an hour as slow as you can over the plate. I mean, that's the equivalent of we've packed it up. This game's over. We just want to go home. I wish there was a way that when it's clear that one team is not trying anymore, that we just wrap it up and call it a night. I mean, there's nothing more embarrassing than three positional players going out there to pitch when the game is clearly out of hand. And then you come out of that series and you get a Detroit Tigers team that takes a one to nothing lead into the ninth inning over the Rangers and ends up losing three to one. It is absolutely mind boggling what this team is doing. And I don't know how they're going to climb out of the hole, but AJ Hinch, he might have an idea about it. And here was, here's what he had to say. I'm tired of me saying day to day and, and win the day's game. But the reason is because this sport will drag you into misery. Um, if you keep looking at these numbers, you know, they're not good and they're not going to be good tomorrow, regardless of how good a day we have. So we've got to focus on the game at hand and put a lot of good games together to, to, to climb out of this. Yeah, you're right. This game will make you miserable. It's making me miserable. It's making me just absolutely question how how much there still is to go in the rebuild. It's not that I'm crushed because this season is not going the way it was. I'm crushed because it doesn't look like we're any closer to being a playoff contender than we were a year ago. And we were supposed to be a lot closer. We were supposed to be fighting for the AL Central. We were at least supposed to be in a race for it. And I'm not saying that this was supposed to be an all-out situation of the Tigers are first in the Central. They're going to walk away with it. It's going to be a cakewalk. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it was supposed to be better than this. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. You can call in. You can text in. What are your feelings on this Detroit Tigers team? The statistics, like AJ Hinge said in that last clip, they are abysmal. And if you get focused on them, yes, you will go down a very sad, sad path of just reading terrible statistic after terrible statistic. 
Here's another one for you. The Tigers are on pace to be the first MLB team in 50 years to score fewer than 500 runs in a full season. It's just, those are, those are records on the wrong side of history. Those are things that are on the opposite end of how we want things to go. And you can tell that AJ Hinch is frustrated as he should be. But when he starts a press conference like this and all he has to say is a very small, quick line about how they lost, there's no other reason. Just take a listen. Just what's the first thing that comes to your mind looking back? We lost the game. I mean, that's the thing I think about every night that we lose. So I, um, we lost the game. <laughs> yeah. Yep. At least he was to that's the point. It. I appreciate that. You're absolutely right, Blake. I mean, he's very to the point. And I understand that baseball is a tough setup to face the media day in, day out when you play so many games, some back-to-back, some doubleheaders. I mean, just the way that it is set up, it's a tough, tough go for them. It's tough sledding to be a baseball manager, a baseball team. And I understand they're going to run into situations like this, but something's got to give. And it has to be improvements in ways that just look different and feel different. Is a it, lot of what, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no. Is it just possible that like you were a year too early? I Being think, hopeful and like everyone was maybe. like too hopeful and too soon. Yeah. And I would have, I would have much rather have enjoyed the realistic selling of this back in the, you know, back when Alavila and AJ Hinch both said, we want to be playoff contenders. We're going to be playoff contenders. I think that got everybody fired up to say, yeah, you're right. We're in it. We're, we're down. We're with you. And then all of a sudden, we see what's happening and we see the same thing happening and we see the way it's happening. And all of a sudden we're sitting there going, Whoa, this is not what I was expecting. So yeah, we as a fan base are to blame for sure. I mean, we were all in invested and that's how this town is. This town is all in invested, no matter how bad you are. Just look at the lions. We have been invested in that team forever and, well, and they have and never given us a reason to be invested this town is like craving a winner right now anything I mean, literally anything absolutely Just we would go take on a anything. little run and people would be happy <laughs> i mean the anybody pistons, a sense of hope the, i saw more people talking about the pistons this year than i have in the past like five just because cade had like a good stretch down the end there. That was it. Right. People were like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, what, you, that's where you we're nailed at. It. Because everybody just wants something to cheer for in this town. We have been, you said it, you nailed it. We have been so dry for a good team to be around us that we have no idea what it's like. And so the second managers start to talk like, oh yeah, we're going to be better this year. We're going to contend for the AL central. We're going to go for that playoff run and we see what's happening. Now <laughs> it's just like, well, here we go again, but that's really from tigers fans. I want to know how much farther away do you think we are? How much longer 
are we really going to have to wait? Because I think we're waiting a while. I think we are waiting a while. And that's, that's unfortunate if you're a Tigers fan, because we shouldn't have to, there's better pieces here. And those pieces are just not playing the way they should be. So we got the Stanley cup finals going on. Finally made it to those. I feel like I love, I love hockey and I love the playoffs. I just, it takes forever, man. They have been playing playoff hockey for over a month and a half. Yeah, So it is, it's been a long, long time. So we're going to start breaking down some of the abs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Can the Lightning three-peat? That's coming up next on Sports Wrap. Back to Sports Wrap on WJR. Here's Matt. Welcome back to Sports Wrap. The phone number 800-859-0957. You can call or text. Anything is on the table for you this evening. We've been talking NBA Finals. We've been talking the tailspin of your Detroit Tigers. And were our expectations as a fan base too high? Because that seems to be the consensus, at least on our end over here. But now it's time to get to some hockey. The only sport that is left for a championship, Colorado Avalanche, Tampa Bay Lightning. Game one was as exciting as you would have expected it to be. These two teams, I expected nothing less than what we got. Overtime game. I mean, just, and the Avalanche, just the way they jumped out to a three, nothing or yeah, I mean a three goal lead or three goals in the first, I should say to Tampa's one. So they've got a two goal lead. They're riding high. Tampa comes out, nails them with two in the second. I mean, these two teams have gone blow for blow the entire way through and I mean, it's like we've been saying kind of throughout the playoffs. Is Colorado going to be just too good? And it kind of showed a little bit that they were maybe going to be just a little bit better. I mean, they did everything they could right to get this game to go in their favor. Now, game two finally happening, coming up. On Saturday, I get it. We had to work with the NBA schedule. We had to make sure everything was copacetic there, but always weird when you got to take, you know, you play on a Wednesday, you got two days off. You know, we're used to the game a day off, but we're back now. Okay. Stanley Cup finals back on tap for Saturday night. Blake, who you think you got in this thing? That's a very good question. I've been going back and forth with it. Because I think the Avs are the best team. Mm-hmm. But Vasilevsky is the much better goaltender. And I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to give up four goals again. I, that's just no. not that's not him. He's going to no. rebound and play much better. Yeah. I think there are incredible storylines to play out throughout the rest of these finals. And there are some things that you know, we need to look at and consider potentially happening. I mean, Kadri, he might be uncertain for game two. Now, they each had hand surgery. Sorry, Kadri and Cogliano. 
expected to come back, hoping to get those guys back. But again, that progress that they're dealing with eh, might not be enough to get them there. So some of those guys, you know, they've been skating, they've been taking some reps, they've been getting into some practice, but those are some pieces for the avalanche that if they get those back, that might start to swing the series a little bit. Those are two extra pieces that they really need. I mean, you know, Kadri, that injury against the Oilers, you know, it didn't really, it didn't really hinder the series. Obviously Colorado was able to win pretty easily, but this is now a situation where against the lightning, you're going to need all the pieces and Cogliano, I mean, him getting hurt against the Oilers as well. It's just a situation where you're going to need, again, all those pieces to make it happen. And you mentioned it. Vasilevsky, an absolute monster. I mean, a .939 save percentage after series openers. So after he sees a team once, he is... Point nine three nine in the save percentage. I read about Jonathan Cooper saying, like, there's something about game ones with them. They they don't perform as well in them because they can't make their adjustments as a staff and as a team. Mm-hmm. So their game twos generally, he even knows, are much, much better because they see how the other team is defending them and what they can do to create more space and do their thing. Yeah. And that's where I think the Tampa Bay lightning are able to win it because I think they will be the team that is the been here done that team. They are going to be the team. Like you mentioned it. Vasilevsky one and three with a point eight, eight, four save percentage in game ones of the entire postseason. Including four goals on 38 shots in that game one they just played. Now, <laughs> I mean, this stat will blow your mind. He is 11 and three from game two on in series. And last series against the Rangers was the first time he lost back to back games in three full playoffs. Mm-hmm. And. After he lost back-to-back games, yeah, he won four straight. <laughs> right. So I think this is where this Tampa Bay team with Vasilevsky, they're going to ride him to the Stanley Cup because he is, I mean, it's phenomenal. Those stats are insane that he is able to do everything he can do to make the right adjustments to, you know, see things differently, to figure out players' tendencies. I mean, it's what every great athlete does. They make adjustments. And it's just one more thing that I think makes Tampa Bay different. And I think that's what's going to be incredibly exciting as we continue to watch things through. Now, let's get some betting lines if you can. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Blake, but I'm sure you got your app out and ready to go. Do you, would what are we you looking like at series or the game? Let's go with game two. What are we looking at? All right, give me one second. You talk a little bit. That's what I said. Put you on the spot. I hate to do that to you, but um, I know you're ready. 
Tampa or Colorado's favorite on the money line minus one fifty two. The over under is six. Poof. And then uh and then obviously puck line Colorado minus one and a half plus one sixty five. Now but listen, I, I know in you're in this all series for I would never bet if you're gonna bet gonna it, say. bet the money line because yeah. I would never bet puck line like it's gonna be a bunch of close games. Yeah, and I was going to say, I know you're all a big fan of betting the over, but there's no chance. No, I series. yeah, I said earlier, I was like, if I'm going to bet <laughs> anything this next game, the under, because I don't think Vasilevsky is going to let up four goals again. No, and I think that, you know, it's almost more, <laughs> it almost helps the gamblers when he does have a series where, or hey, it does have a game one where he gives up four, because all of a sudden, like, everybody's, wait a second, you know, Okay, seven goals scored in that one. We can, you know, we know, we know where the goal, where the goal money, like where we can set that for Vegas. And I mean, that's going to be easy money. The under is going to be easy money. So, yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to take your advice now after the show bet. Um, I know I didn't do so well last time, but you want to do another show bet? Oh, well, I'm no, because I'm, I'm with you on this. I want, I think I like the under too, but. Tampa plus two twenty money line to win the series. Ooh. Those are pretty good ta- odds. I was gonna say those are pretty good odds. I would take that. I would put some money on that. Yeah, I mean those those are good odds. I think a lot of people that were going to bet Tampa were waiting until after the first game. Because I would agree. they've come out and lost first games. All playoffs, besides the series mm-hmm. that they swept Florida. Right. And that's exactly it, right? Like, you know, if there was ever a team that you could, and there's, listen, there's never anything considered as sure money. We know that. Mm-mm. And there's no such thing as a sure bet. Even when you accidentally bet the wrong team like Blake did in the basketball finals. But it worked, it worked out, out in your favor, though. Say it worked out in your favor. But I would have to say, after a game one like we saw, you're definitely a little more comfortable taking that Tampa Bay bet. I don't no think, though, it. the other thing that I was thinking about with this series, Kale McCarr didn't have, like, a great offensive night in game one. I don't, Like, mm-hmm. I think until over through the first three periods, until overtime, he didn't have a shot on goal. No. That's not going to – like, Kale McCarr is too good. That's not going to happen again. Right. So No, you're absolutely right. I, I – that kid is incredible to watch. He's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And so that's, I mean, and that's what you can always hope for. You want the two best teams to make it. The two best teams did. This will be by far an incredibly entertaining Stanley Cup finals the rest of the way through. I'm glad there's no more conflictions with basketball. Glad we got that out of the way. We can just sit back, enjoy some playoff hockey the rest of the way through. And then as soon as we wrap up with hockey, Lions fans, you get to get excited about training camp. What's it? Hard knocks. About? <laughs> hard knocks coming to town. Yeah. You excited? I, I don't know if we've talked about this. I'm not a Lions fan. I know you're not. I, I, I'm smarter than that. So yeah. I don't, I, but it's true. I don't. I'm excited for college football, but I still got a while for that. But that's what I was about to say. <laughs> what about like when hockey ends? I don't. I'm gonna have to. 
You might start watching movies or something. I don't know. You probably should. It's a really <laughs> rough dead period when hockey ends. There's really nothing happening. Baseball is going to be no good with the Tigers. Well, and and I think we've talked about this before. I like I I grew up a Cubs fan. I am a Cubs yep. fan, but they stink this year too. Usually, yeah. like I had that to fall back on. Now I got nothing. <laughs> so we'll get into your Detroit Lions talk. On the other side of the break, it's Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Once again, Matt Lorenek. Thank you for spending your Friday evening with me and producer Blake. It is Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. one 800 I was feeling this song. That was, a, I mean, a great little mariachi part that they put to that imaging. Whoever does the imaging, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Probably Blackwell or somebody. 800-859-0957 is the phone number. We're talking Detroit Lions. Let's go to Mike in Waterford. Mike, how you doing this evening? Good. How about you? We're all right, man. We're all right. What do you What do you say? Uh, just talking about uh, in 57, the last time the Lions won a championship, when it was the NFL. Anyway, uh, my dad and I, uh, there's a restaurant on telegraph i don't know if they're still around just uh right around 10 and telegraph on the west side anyway we were in there having a couple beers at the bar one night and this guy walks in with about three or four of his buddies and uh i'm just a kid right i'm I'm just i just turned 21 and uh all of a sudden he's he sat down everybody at the bar got a drink and i got these another budweiser sitting in front of me and he says so he says, when I drink, everybody drinks. So we we, anyway, we started talking, and I found out who he was. Tobin wrote, I was back up quarterback. He's the one that actually won the championship because Bobby Wayne was hurt. Yeah. Anyway, very quickly, he's a really good guy, good size guy too. And uh, you know, he and Bobby Lane used to room together. And he says, and I'm you know I'm with Tobin, and I'm watching these guys drink and. He says, I, I, I couldn't room with Bobby anymore. He says, because he drank too much. And oh, I boy. shook my head. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so anyway, he says, uh, he says, well, I says, uh, we're talking. He says, yeah, Bobby, uh, you know, we won the championship in 57. We didn't have any agents. And he says, you just went to the front office before you, you started your, your, uh, your, tra- your, your training for the fall for your next, uh-huh. uh, next year. And uh, they and so they said, uh, well, Bobby, uh, how much do you want to play for us now this year? We won the championship, et cetera, et cetera. He said, well, how much did I make last year? He said, you made $15,000. He said, that's good enough for me. Oh, wow. That hey, was I mean, that was, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point back in the day. I mean, when those athletes were, you know, just more so and loving it and living wrote. it. He wasn't, yeah, yeah, he wasn't, Tobin Rowe wasn't lying to us. No, no. Uh, he's a good guy. I had to, Blake, you I, got a question had, for Mike real quick? Mike, do you think I'm smart to not be a Lions fan? or I am from here. So what do you think of me not being a Lions fan? Well, uh, I'm with you. Uh, uh, just to remind you, I bought my first season tickets for the Lions in 1967-68. And uh, it was 56 or $58 a year. Wow. And wow. They they paid fourteen games, not not what they do today. Sixteen and your uh your exhibition games they had two of them and they were free. You still and, a season ticket holder, Mike? Huh? No, no. Well, no. That that's that's the point. Is 
you know, the, it's it's got it got ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? But what do we got to uh, do? What is this team? I mean, you at least follow them enough to have an idea about what they need to do to turn this thing around. Is Dan Campbell the right man in your opinion? Well, I tell you what. Let's get to the basics. They've been owned by the Ford family for all these years. The Ford family needs to get out of it. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. I mean, you couldn't ring that bell loud enough, Mike. I'm with you on that. Oh, gee, it's just, it's it's ridiculous. And, you know, I was a quarterback on my football team in in high school, squad leader in the Air Force. I've been self-employed for almost 50 years now. And uh, I've always been a leader. I always, but I, I don't walk over people. Sounds you like know, you want the what's job. What's right is right. Yeah, what's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong. And uh, yeah, um, just uh, very quickly. Uh, Go for well, it. Ford Land was founded by a guy by the name of Wayne Doran. He's a great guy, mm-hmm. seventy-one, and he says, "Hey, guess what?" He said, "He said that all the people that were that were contractors for them that were making parts, whatever." He says, "If you wanna, we're not gonna chase you all around the world." You've got to have an office here in Dearborn. And that's how Ford that's how Fordland got started. Yep. Anyway, I had service them for fourteen years. Wayne Dorn finally resigned in the early uh two thousands and uh the facilities managers and I were like family. And uh we were really good friends and this guy comes in, here's nepotism. The guy comes in, he's his mid forties. He says, uh he His first expression was, there's a new sheriff in town, there's a new sheriff. Well, he knew nothing about what he had been assigned to, uh, which is... So it just sounds like, in your idea, you know, things just kind of started off on the wrong foot, and we've been just downhill trudging ever since. Well, yeah, well, you know what I told him? I I told him at that point, he kept saying, there's a new sheriff in town, there's a new sheriff. And I finally walked in, and... He had put a hit on the common secretary. He's in his 40s. Well, we don't need that. I've had enough. Mike, we appreciate the call. Thanks for sharing that with us. Mike has been around the world. Mike's I a mean, character. He is. We appreciate you listening, Mike. I do. I love it. I mean, there's, you know, I, I honestly wish we had more time because I'd keep him on because I feel like there's stories about things that happened at the original, you know, start of the lions and the Ford family that he's got some information on that he'd probably like to share. But I mean, we don't have that kind of time tonight, but I would love to get into that with him because that does sound interesting. Back to what's happening here and now with your Detroit lions, Josh Pascal. He was the second round pick for the lions. Finally, they got him signed. He was dealing with some late, you know, they love to name it funny stuff in the NFL, a lower extremity injury. Okay, well, fine. Who yeah, knows what that toe? means? Yeah, who could be anything. He's got an ingrown toenail. Could be that. He's got an athlete's foot. Could be anything. <laughs> but he missed all of OTAs. Finally, he's here. He's signed. Training camp coming up, starting next month. He's a question mark. And it's interesting how many of the Lions' high-end picks are question marks. You wouldn't you got- say. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing that they would go and do something the like Lions that. have draft picks that haven't worked out. Say it ain't so right now. They haven't worked out yet. Jamison Williams. We'll see. He is capable. We know that 
His injury is tough to come back from. Josh Pascal, his injury, we don't really know the extent of it. Tough could, could be tough to come back from. We're not sure. But the thing I'm excited for, and I think all sports fans are, and for us in the city, it's either going to put us in an amazing light or in a terrible light when HBO's Hard Knocks comes to town. Because we are going to see everything that goes on. The ins and the outs, every little nuance is going to be highlighted. So here is my question. Who are you most interested in seeing on Hard Knocks? Dan Campbell, Jamal Williams, maybe Penny Sewell. I don't know if you know this. Jamal Williams is hilarious. Yes, he's a character. And for anybody out there, if you don't follow Jamal Williams on social media, find a way and follow him because he is a character. I th- I think Dan Campbell's going to come out looking. He's going to become a star. Like his press conferences already last year because of the bite your kneecaps and all that stuff mm-hmm. were huge. He's just going to become a massive, massive star. But there was one Here's, thing I wanted to ask you about. Do it. The B. What? How bad do you think the B roll is going to be on Hard Knocks of them like showing stuff around the city of Detroit? Will they make it look good or bad? They better make it look good because there so. are far more good looking parts of the city now than there are bad. And I know everybody wants to live in that old stigma of Detroit's run down. And you know what? No. Yeah. Get yeah, sure. Show us some of the bad, but. You know there is good, and there is good to be had and good to be seen. Hard Knocks is either going to put us in a great place or a bad place. Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. Thanks for spending another Friday with us.